In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the third Sunday of Tuba, and today the Gospel was from John chapter 3. And in this Gospel, St. John the Baptist, he points his followers to the Lord Jesus Christ. And some of the people, they came to St. John the Baptist, and they said, Rabbi, who was, who was he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified? Behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. And the people thought that St. John was going to be a little upset, or a little angry. He thought that St. John was going to be a little jealous about this. But St. John was not jealous, or he was not envious in the slightest. Actually, he said something very beautiful. He said, he who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, I must decrease. I love this reply, and there's much that we could meditate on, on this saying. But I love that St. John, he refers to the Lord Jesus Christ as bridegroom. That he refers to the Lord Jesus Christ as bridegroom. And that's why today I want to speak to you about Christ the bridegroom. Christ the bridegroom. The other day, I was talking to someone... And this person was in a very difficult, difficult situation, very sad state of affairs. But the way this person was speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ was amazing, amazing. Like this person was giving me a sermon, like was encouraging me, even though I was supposed to be encouraging them. This person kept telling me how much they trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. They kept telling me how they, they, they have Christ the bridegroom, like the true husband. And I was sitting there like, wow. I felt so embarrassed in myself. This person really felt that they were really genuinely married to the Lord. They had such like an intimate relationship with the Lord that even though all their life they had like lots of trials and tribulations... They, they found just like comfort and peace in knowing that they had the Lord as a bridegroom. I think sometimes it's easier to think of God as all-powerful God who sits in the highest and dwells and looks upon the lowly. But actually, today I hope we look at God as the true bridegroom, the true bridegroom of our souls and of our hearts. And that's why today I want to look at some of the scripture that speaks about God as our bridegroom. In Isaiah 54, 54 is right after Isaiah 53. <laughs> Isaiah 53 is about the suffering servant. And Isaiah 54 speaks about God as bridegroom. He says, your creator, your creator, the person who made you, he will be like a husband to you. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy God of Israel will save you. He is the ruler over the world. And then because God is your husband, Isaiah says something very nice. He says, God will forget your unfaithfulness as a young wife. He will forget your unfaithfulness as a young wife. And your desperate loneliness as a widow. 
Israel, you are like a young wife, deserted by her husbands. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. And deeply distressed. But the Lord calls you back to Him. And, and the Lord calls you back to Him. There's many other verses from the Old Testament that I could quote to you. But I'll jump to the New Testament. St. Paul, in his letter to the second, in second Corinthians chapter 11, St. Paul, he says something very nice. He says, I feel divine jealousy for you. I feel so jealous for you. For I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. 2 Corinthians 11, 2. You see, the good servants, the good servants of the Lord, they push people to God. St. John the Baptist was happy to push people to God. St. Paul says, I have divine jealousy for you. And I betrothed you to one, one husband. The servants of the Lord teach us to see the Lord as bridegroom. And all of us, we want to be married to the bridegroom. And if the Lord is bridegroom, then we are the bride. And that means we are married to the Lord. So I want to speak to you about like three important aspects of this marriage. Three important aspects of this marriage. To be married to the bridegroom means that we have to break off all the old relationships from the past. You can't be married and be in old relationships. In spiritual terms, this is this washing away of the past to wash away the past is done through repentance and baptism. And that is exactly why St. John the Baptist was baptizing. His message was repentance, be renewed, a new, like, a, new li- a new life. And that's because marriage, to be married, you need to forget all the past. To be married to the bridegroom, you have to get remove all of the past. You have to be washed. And that's why many of the readings today, they speak about baptism. They speak about being washed. In the morning gospel today, we read about the Lord's con- uh, conversation with Nicodemus. And how the Lord told Nicodemus, if you want to go to heaven, what must you do? You must be born again. You must be washed. You must be born of water and spirit. Otherwise, you cannot be married to the bridegroom. You can't be married to the bridegroom. In Hebrews chapter 10, the Pauline epistle of today, it says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Washed with pure water. And the same ideas in Ephesians chapter 5, St. Paul, he says, when he speaks about Christ, the bridegroom, he's speaking about marriage, and he's speaking about, like, the love of Christ between Christ and the church is like a man and a woman. He says, husband, loves your, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having any wrinkle or spot or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. No one can show up to their wedding day without taking a shower. wedding and smelly and fash. You come to your wedding, you have to be washed clean. 
The shower removes the sweat. It removes the odor. It removes the... Oops. It removes the filth. And the same is true about our repentance and our confession and our baptism. It washes away the filthiness of our previous sins. And just as someone would not come to their wedding without showering, no one would come to the liturgy without showering. And by showering, I mean not like, yeah, I hope you all took a shower. But I mean without repentance, without confession. That would be terrible to come to the liturgy without showering, without being clean in the heart. Because the, the liturgy is the wedding feast. We're coming to the wedding. That's why we're all dressed in, in white. We're attending and we're all the bride of Christ. We're all attending the, the wedding. It would be so bad if we came to the liturgy so dirty. Our marriage to Christ the bridegroom requires repentance and baptism. That was number one. Marriage to Christ the bridegroom requires intimacy. And intimacy requires commitment. Intimacy requires commitment. You don't, and people, when they get married, they become intimate with each other. You cannot have a successful marriage without intimacy. And you cannot have a su- successful marriage with, with, mm, without commitment. You can't have a, su- a successful marriage and have like a mistress on the side. It doesn't work. It doesn't, it doesn't happen that way. Marriage requires intimacy and commitment. And one of the tragedies of our culture, one of the tragedies of our culture, is that intimacy and commitment, they used to go together, but now, intimacy, the Hagahena, well, commitment is something over here. And they don't go together at all. Now you can be intimate, and it doesn't mean anything, and then next week you'll be intimate with... And then, but that's not the way marriage is supposed to be. Actually, I, like, I wish there was more youth here, but I wish I could really nail this point into the youth, is that many people think that, like, they don't realize that sexual immorality is marriage. And that's why the, teach, the church teaches us, do not commit sexual immorality. Because if you commit sexual immorality, if you have intimacy, this is marriage. This is marriage. So a person can be married in the church and we bring the crowns and we put the vests and we can do all that stuff. Or you could be married to Bitcoin and do like married by sin. You could be married by sin. Marriage isn't about the white dress and the photographer and the reception. Like people, they have that idea about marriage. That marriage is just the idea of the photographer when we come and we sit and we have an, and then we have a nice party after. That's not marriage. Being intimate with someone, whether you realize it or not, this is like marriage to a person. That's why St. Paul, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, Do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. Is St. Paul saying, where have you heard the term two become one flesh? Where have you heard that type of language? That's marriage. But St. Paul is talking about someone joined to a harlot. He's saying the two become one flesh. Those are, they became married. Too many people these days do not understand this concept. Intimacy is a characteristic of marriage. And in our marriage to the Lord, we have to be faithful. We cannot be married to the Lord and have the mistress on the side. That would be infidelity. <laughs> that would be unfaithful. That would be adultery. 
And that's why many, many, many of the prophets of the Old Testament, they accused Israel of committing spiritual adultery. Because when Israel sinned, they abandoned their first love. They abandoned the true bridegroom. They broke their commitment to God. But the wonderful thing about God, as I showed you previously in the, in the quote from Isaiah, is no matter how unfaithful we are, and no, ma- how, no matter how many times we sin, and no matter how many times we, we, we cheat on God, and we're not faithful to God, God is always faithful. God is always faithful. That's why God instructed the prophet Hosea, I know our young ones are studying Hosea now, to love his adulterous wife. It's written in Hosea 3, it says, The Lord said to me, go again and show your love for a woman who is committing adultery with a lover. Can you imagine? That God is telling the prophet, go and show your love to a woman who is committing adultery. right? You must love her just as I still love the people of Israel. Even though they turn to other gods and like to take offerings of raisins to idols. And they're sitting there worshipping idols. He's saying, I want you to still go love. That's the love of Christ the Bridegroom. He loves us no matter how unfaithful we are. And all of us were unfaithful. A little, pumpkin, a little unfaithful. But all of us, we can be more faithful. The Gospel today tells us there's a big difference between those who are faithful and those who are unfaithful. Those who are faithful and those who are unfaithful. The Gospel of today says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides in him. The ones who believe, they are the ones who are intimate. They are the ones who are committed to their relationship with God. And they're, they're, they're faithful and committed in their in their commitment to do God's will, in their commitment to their prayer life, in their faithful in their commitment in their Bible reading. And this is the peak of the intimacy with God. I want us all to experience this intimacy and this commitment with God. The last characteristic of marriage that I want to speak about is our marriage to Christ the Bridegroom requires growth and humility. Growth and humility. And John the Baptist, he said this in a more eloquent way. He said, he must increase and I must decrease. Growth is in the increase and humility is in the, the decrease. St. Augustine, he says something very nice. He says, let God grow or increase in you. For the more you understand God, He seems to be growing in you. You understand a little yesterday. You understand more today. And you will understand much more tomorrow. So you will be growing in the knowledge of God. Because Christ is our bridegroom, we as the bride... We should be submissive to the Lord. Submissive to the Lord. And to be submissive to the Lord, I think all of us, we need to check our egos, our pride, our self-will. All of these things must decrease. These things must decrease. St. John, he understood his role in relationship to the true bridegroom. He said, I'm just the friend of the bridegroom. I'm just the friend of the bridegroom. He saw that he had fulfilled his purpose, and so 
He did what was not easy to do. He did something that was not easy to do. He said, I must decrease. I'm going to check my ego at the door and I'm going to decrease. I want us for a moment to compare and contrast the attitude of St. John the Baptist with the Lord and compare it to King Saul to David. So, St. John the Baptist to the Lord and King Saul to David. When St. John saw that the multitudes were starting to follow the Lord, he was glad, he was joyful. He said, therefore this joy of mine is fulfilled. But when Saul saw the women praising David, after he killed Goliath and said, you know the women they were saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. You know what it says about Saul after that? Anybody remember? It says, Saul was so angry, and the saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul, I, David, from that day forward. And Saul had in his mind, I'm not going to decrease, I'm going to make David decrease. And I'm going to kill David. And then he tried to pin him to the wall twice. And then shortly after, they had a nice little dinner. It was the new moon feast. And David's spot was empty. And he said, where's David? David's not here. And then Jonathan said, oh, he's just celebrating with his family. And Saul got so angry. So angry. And he said something very interesting. He said, for as long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, you shall not be established. He got so mad at Jonathan. And said, why are you defending David? Why are you defending him? He says, as long as he is on this earth, you shall not be established, nor your kingdom. Now therefore send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. And he read Saul, if he was wise, he would say, he must increase and I must decrease. My kingdom is going, kiddah. Like that would have been the sweat. And said, David, you're part of my family now. You've married my, my daughter. Now let's work together. Let's go conquer the Philistines. Let's be a team. Let's do everything. I know the kingdom is yours. This be great. And we could work together. But because of his ego, because of his pride, because he couldn't let go, his kingdom went down and down and down and down and down. We must humble ourselves in our relationship. And when we humble ourselves, God will exalt us. God will exalt us. The beautiful thing about David is that David humbled himself. Even after Saul was coming after him, he said, Why are you chasing me? And I'm a, I'm a flea. And I'm a dog. Why is the king chasing a dog? And he kept humbling. He could have said, I'm the king. And David could have exalted himself. But he didn't exalt himself. Even though he had been ordained king a long time ago. When he was a little boy. He could have said, I'm king now. But he humbled himself. And because he humbled himself, God exalted him in due time. In our marriage to Christ the bridegroom... 
We need to humble ourselves. We need to humble ourselves. Let's be like David. And the more we humble ourselves, God will exalt us in due time. Let's decrease our ego. Let's all decrease our desire to follow our own will and say, Your will be done. There's one thing that I want to finish with. There's an icon that I, I had prepared. But the deacons didn't do their job. The, there was an icon that uh, is called Christ the Bridegroom. It's an icon called Christ the Bridegroom. I don't know if you're familiar with that icon called Christ the Bridegroom. It's a very beautiful icon because it shows Christ being so vulnerable. <laughs> He's naked. He has a crown of thorns on his head. And it had shufu when the deacons. And it's so beautiful because it shows the love that God, like God, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, has for each one of us. That this is the true bridegroom. The bridegroom that gave his life for us. And this is the icon. This icon is a great testament to the love that Christ has for each and every one of us. Today I hope we think about our marriage to Christ the Bridegroom. How it requires repentance. How it requires... Open Chrome. Chrome right there. And then announcements will be the first one. First one. There we go. If we're... Our marriage to Christ the Bridegroom requires washing. It requires repentance and baptism. Our marriage to Christ requires intimacy. And intimacy requires commitment. Intimacy and commitment. Our marriage to Christ the Bridegroom requires growth and humility. And glory be to God forever. Amen.